0: Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. For anyone that doesn't know me, I am wife to Pastor Josiah, our lead pastor. I am Natalie Guernsey. Oh, woo-woo, thanks! <laughs> and I get the privilege of sharing with you today, and I just want to welcome everyone here. And I'm so glad that you joined us for the service today. And really a special welcome to anyone that is new here. I just, Our prayer is that when you walk into this service, that you encounter Jesus. Because we believe at Thrive that Jesus changes Everything. Our mission is to see people thrive with God and to thrive in life. We really believe that as you pursue Jesus, and you have a thriving relationship with Him, that it affects every other area of your life, so that you can thrive in life, and not just in Jesus, and not just over here, but we believe they go together. So, thank you for joining us, and we, I just am believing that that's what's going to happen in your heart today, an encounter with Jesus. Well, I've been preparing this message for you for a couple of weeks now, but I actually, it's been a process that's been happening in my life over the last couple of months. And it's really cool how God works because over the last few weeks, I've been having several conversations with people in all different ages and stages of life. But it's right along the lines of the message that God's been working in process in me. And to me, that's always so cool because it confirms that this is not, I feel like, just something that I made up, but like that God wants to speak to you. And I'm just believing that it will be a message that will equip you and most of all, encourage you in your faith. So get ready to receive that. Now, my husband is a man of many beautiful qualities. I love him so much. Many people might not know this in this room but he can be a collector of things, and sometimes not to his own fault. He has improved since we've been married for 10 years. He is purging right alongside me right now. He's a keeper of things. I'm a thrower of things, so sometimes that's kind of fun. Yes, throwing out. But sometimes he can be a collector, and like I said, sometimes no fault of his own. So he has um, this collection of hockey cards. And when I say hockey cards, I don't mean like, you know, hockey cards. I mean boxes and boxes of hockey cards that have been inherited through lines and lines and generations in his family. And he's also inherited these beautiful stamps. I don't know. I didn't know anything about stamps either. But he inherited stamps. It's so beautiful. But what's so funny when I look at these hockey cards and I look at these stamps, to me, They just look like paper, with some color and some faces on them. But to other people, they look at those things with great, great value. Right? Although I might see it as a piece of paper, others value it worth hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. I don't know if we got that in our cards, but wouldn't that be amazing? (laughs) And it got me to think about, what makes something valuable? What in your life, that's valuable, makes it that way? So I started looking into it because I'm a researcher, and by researcher I mean I like to Google things when they pop in my head. And so I started to Google, what makes something valuable? And the consistent information that came up was the quality and the rarity of something. And so the quality, the excellence of its design, the execution of its construction, A handmade object made of fine, fine materials will generally be of higher value than something that's mass produced. And then something that's rare, the more scarce it is, the higher its value. And so, you know, as I was preparing this message, God God wanted to make sure that if you left with nothing else, that you understood that you were of great value value to God. And if the two qualities of something that's valuable is quality and rarity, then every person in this room qualifies to be of great value. Because God said in Genesis 1:31, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. The creator of the universe. He made all this earth that we are experiencing, including you. And then he looked at you and went, you are very good. You are made of the most quality, highest quality materials. You are of great value. And then he says, you are rare. There is not a single other person like you on the planet. You are the most scarce one of your kind. And we see that in Psalm 139. 13 to 14. It says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. How beautiful that there's only one you and that God made you so uniquely beautiful. And If you remember nothing else, God made you with the highest quality and the rarest of materials. But what's interesting to me is that there's us, and then there's valuable things that are actually all over the planet still in hiding. Did you know that? There are things that have such great value that we only hear about in history books that have yet to be discovered, that are hidden away in places that Scientists and people have dedicated their professions to finding. Isn't that so interesting? And I believe that part of today's message is that there are hidden and valuable people yet to be discovered today and to come out of hiding, just like those valuable items that are earthly that people dedicate their life to discovering. Now, we talk a lot, Josiah and I, we have a five-year-old and almost two-year-old and they're a ton of fun. We talk a lot about our kids up here. But there, anyone that has kids probably has played hide-and-seek in their life. We play a lot of hide-and-seek in our house. And uh, to hide from a two-year-old is not that difficult. I mean, I can stand behind this like clear glass table, and they can't find me. So, you know, we've been playing with this with Levi since he could talk, and we have this code in our house that if you've been searching for a while for the hider, you might hear a ca-cah, ca-ca! To which the hider has to respond, And eventually, the person that's searching will pretty quickly find the hider. But today, I feel like God is going, And He is trying to call you out of wherever you're hiding from. And there are so many examples in the Bible for us of people that are hiding or were hiding before they walked in the fullness of what God called them to do. We see David was hiding in the field before he became king. Moses was hidden in the desert before he led the Israelites out of captivity. Gideon was hiding in a winepress before he led an army to victory. Jesus was hiding as a carpenter Before, he came out of hiding and walked out his ministry as savior of the world. But what's so amazing about these examples is that as each of these people came out of hiding, they walked in the fullness of their calling. So what are you hiding behind today? Where do you need to emerge out of hiding? Because Ephesians 4.1 says, tells us so clearly that each and every person in this room has a call of God in their life. It says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. This was so important that in one sentence he used the word calling, called, two times. Every person here has a calling. Calling to walk worthy of, and it's so simple. God just makes life so simple that our time on this earth, in we see in Ephesians 4:1, is to one, know that God has that calling for your life. And Romans 11:29, I didn't give it to them, but it says there's gifts that have been given to you, and they are irrevocable. It means that they cannot be changed. And they can't be withdrawn over your life, whether you've discovered them or not, whether you're in hiding or not. There is a call on your life. And that no matter how much each of us run or hide or doubt, God has put something in you and on you that is meant to be discovered, revealed, and walked out. We also see in Ephesians 1 not just that we have a worthy call, but number two, to, that we are meant to lead our lives to that calling. To lead, I'm a big definition girl, but it means to be a root or means of access to a particular place or in a particular direction, to cause something to go with you by holding them by the hand, a halter, a rope, while moving forward. God has created you to lead your life out of your calling to be a route, to be a means of access to a particular place or direction. And God is holding you by the hand, trying to move you forward to your call. And will you keep holding his hand and walk worthy of your call? Are you leading a life that shows your worth? Are you making decisions? This would be a very general one, making decisions regularly that show the worth of God's call in your life? Are the people you're pouring into or that you're allowing to pour into you leading you to a place that shows the worth of your calling? Is the way you speak about yourself showing the worth of your calling? Is how you see yourself reflecting the worth and value of your calling? And I don't believe, we know that there's a call, I've made that abundantly clear, but I don't believe we can walk fully in the worth of our calling until we understand and allow God to do three things for us. And that's what we're going to spend our time digging into today. And we can walk in the fullness of our call when we allow God to do these three things. To name you, to claim you, and to bless you and we see this in scripture in Romans 8 there'll be a few extra verses up here because of the translation but 8:28 to 30 is the one i'm using and it says god knew what he was doing from the very beginning he decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. He claimed them. And then after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. Bless them. So let's dig into that truth. And I believe that as we can understand this and let God do that, your calling will change how you're walking it out. So first we see that he names people. He calls people by name. And he wants to name you today. Now, I found this brilliant and intriguing marketing strategy that I know I've fallen prey to, and I guarantee, whether you are aware of it or not, you have fallen prey to it as well. And really, often we see this in, bear with me, but in the health food industry, it's a very sneaky way of how they use the name of something to change people's value an interaction with that thing. So what do I mean by this? Well, let me ask you. Is, uh, would you say carrot cake is healthy or unhealthy? Oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. I hate to break it to you. It's one of my top five cakes on the planet with its buttery cream cheese icing and sugar, but it is unhealthy. Don't worry. I do consume that. But this strategy has found that if you call it a carrot muffin... Does that sound healthier to you? Yeah, it does. I hear carrot. I think vegetable. I hear muffin. Mm, nourishing carbohydrate. I am taking such good care of myself. But they are the exact same thing. The exact same thing. Yet, we place a higher value on muffin than cake in terms of its nourishment it can provide to our body. Or a Potato chip. I'm sorry if I'm bursting anyone's bubble today, but a potato chip can be renamed a veggie chip. And it's all good. It's all good. Or pasta with vegetables can now be called a salad. And oh, I'm going to be eating salad for dinner. No shame here. I have eaten all of these things last week. Like, it's no problem. But there's a study that shows that people who are actually, they're dieting or trying to eat healthier, have actually learned to avoid certain foods simply because of their name. So for example, um, if you're on a diet, would you eat a milkshake? Probably not. But that exact same thing with the same ingredients called a smoothie? Nine out of ten times I'm choosing that thing as the healthier option. A name is meant to shed the negative image of a product so that people can then enjoy it. And we see in scripture That after God made the decision, this is Romans 8, of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. And if the food industry can figure out its power, God's intended purpose for it was even bigger than the food industry and its influence on you. And what's so interesting to me about names, when it comes to Jesus or it comes to how you see yourself, is that Jesus named you. But you will be never be more to you than what you name yourself or what you allow Jesus to name you. You will never be more to you than what you allow him to name you. And Jesus will never be more to you than what you name him. Do you call him teacher? Friend, Lord, Savior, Judger, knower of good from evil, keeper of my mistakes in his mind, forgiver, whatever you and I call him, releases something from his life into our life. He's all those things all along. He's our beautiful, wonderful Savior. He is your friend. He's your teacher. He's your comforter. But until we allow him to be named that, until you allow him to name you his beautiful, perfect workmanship, you will not be more than what you name yourself. You are all these things also all along but not until you allow yourself to be called it. Leviticus 27.12 tells us this. The priest shall set a value for it, whether it is good or bad, as the priest val- as you the priest value it, so it shall be. How you and I value things in our life matters, because often it will turn out that way. So what is the value you see on your life and your call from God? Do you see all that you can be in Jesus because you've allowed him to name you? Or are we so familiar with ourselves, our faults, our failures, our mistakes or limitations, the setbacks and struggles from previous seasons, that it's made you see yourself in that light and that's all you see coming out and you're just dishonoring yourself, this valuable, beautiful creature that God created. It doesn't mean that's who you are. Let me get that straight to you. But it means the value and name you're currently saying is what you're living out of. Naming activates something in us and releases what was always there when we allowed Jesus to do it. But we got to honor ourselves. And we see this in the Bible, there's this interaction, this account between, uh, in Matthew 16, between Jesus and Peter, the ever um, honest man in the Bible. But Jesus says to Peter, he goes, who do men say that I am? And Peter goes, well, you know, some people say you're John the Baptist, or others say you're Elijah, or still others say you're Jeremiah, others say you're just like one of the prophets. And then Jesus says to him, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds well and says, oh, you're Messiah. You're the Son of God. And it just shows us that the name matters to Jesus. Because Jesus will never be more in your life than I call him. And the same is true for you. And when Jesus wanted in the Bible to change someone's destiny and see them walk in the fullness worthy of their calling... He always confronted their identity and their name. Jacob became Israel. Simon became Peter. Saul became Paul. Abram became Abraham. And when they allowed God to name them, they stepped into the fullness of their call. They walked worthy of their calling, so today, will you confront your identity and allow God to name you so you can reach your destiny and walk worthy of your calling? Will you get around people who will call you who you really are? Who you really are? Will you get around Jesus until he tells you who you are? That you are chosen, that you are loved that you are perfectly and wonderfully made. In case you didn't know these things, they're all in the word of God. You are forgiven. You have been given gifts, gifted with gifts right from God himself. You have a purpose. You are beautifully beautiful. You are complete and whole. You are a new creation. All things, old things have passed away and all things can become new in your life because of Jesus. Name the gifts, that you see in yourself. Name the gifts you see in other people. I'll tell you, if you want to change your marriage, change what you call out and name them. If you want to change your friendships, change what you name them and call out in them. You want to change what you're seeing in your life and in your future, change what you're naming and calling out. You know, Josiah and I, we've been married 10 years together for 12 total And I will tell you that there are some things I've learned, but one thing is for certain. There is not one time that I have changed anything about that man by telling him what he isn't. Not one time any other married people in the room. It is so ineffective. But I'll tell you, when I focus on who I see is on the inside of him, when I name what I actually know he can be, 100% of the time, I see change and growth, and walking in worthiness of his call. So just like me changing the way I'm naming him, just like the way of changing carrot cake to carrot muffin, or potato chips to veggie chips, or pasta to salad, can change the negative image you have, so can changing, allowing God to change your name, allow you to change the course of your life. And today Jesus wants to name you as worthy and called. So first, he names you. Will you let him, uh, let yourself understand and allow God to name you? Second, is to claim you. And really, this is for him to, in Romans 8 again, it says, he calls you his. It says, he set them on a solid basis with himself. He claimed you. When you claim something, it means you express your right to something. And you claim it as yours. God has claimed you, you are his, you belong to him, and you are called not because you're perfect, but because you're his. The Bible talks so much about this, and we see this in Jesus' life, you know? We think that, oh, everything was just all peachy. No way. The way that things people claimed Jesus affected him. You know, he's at the height of his ministry. He's traveling all around, performing miracles everywhere he went, delivering people, setting people free, healing people. But then the Bible talks about that when he's on this tour and he goes into his own hometown, what couldn't he do? No mighty miracles in his own hometown because of who people claimed him to be. Well, he can't be the son of God. He's just the son of Joseph and Mary. They claimed him, not who he was. But thank God Jesus knew who he was. He belonged to God. And he didn't just allow the claims of other people to stop him. But just think that if Jesus was slowed down by by the claims of people, how much more does that affect us? And how much more powerful when we allow God to claim us as his own. He wants who he claims you to be to be all that matters. We see him, if you don't know that he's claimed you, we see this in Isaiah 43, 1-4. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says... You, uh, it says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I, the Lord, am your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. That is God speaking to you And because you are his, claimed as his own, he is always with you, defending you, protecting you, regardless of what you're walking through. Because you are claimed by God, it means that anything that happens in your life, He is right there alongside you. That's why it can say in this verse that when you walk through rivers of difficulty, not if, but when. So no doubts here. If anyone doubts that I'm in a river and I am almost drowning, I must be in the wrong place. God must be mad at me. I must be doing something wrong. It is just simply not the truth. Because God says when rivers of difficulty come, You will not drown because you are mine and I am with you. When you walk through fiery seasons and we have all been through them, we have all been through the fire, you will not be burned up or consumed because you are mine. You belong to me. And it might feel like you're going to drown and it might feel like you're getting burned up. But you will not because you are his. So God names you as worthy and called. He claims you as his. Finally, number three is he blesses you. He gives you what you need. Whatever you need, let him be there for you. In Romans 8, it finishes by saying he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. He blessed them because for there to be completion, there must be a provision. There has to be the blessing and the provision for us to look back and go, oh, that's a completed situation. And God says, I will gloriously complete what I've begun in your life. John 10.10 says, this is a familiar verse, but with me here. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. What this is, is it says that all that Jesus is, God meant for you to be. All that Jesus has, he meant for you to have. All the exciting things, this hidden riches of his inheritance, all the beautiful treasures that we read about, all of that is not just out there somewhere. God has deposited all of it in you so that you can live the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. And you know, we can all turn to various things as we're trying to do this thing called life to get power, to get blessing, to get provision. But I've got to tell you today that the things that you turn to to get power is not where your power comes from it's not where your power comes from because it's not what's in your hands that gives you power. It's who's on you that gives you the power and the blessing to walk out your calling. Your power comes from God who is enabling you. We see this in the Word. That's why, that's why God said to Moses, throw down your staff. What was his staff? He was a shepherd. It's where his power came from to do the call of God. And God says, throw that thing down. Because it's not what's giving you power. I'm the one that's giving you power. Or Elijah, he says, burn the plows. What's that? The plows are production. It's the work. And he says, burn them up. Because it's me who gives you power and blessing and provision. You and I are meant to live a glory-filled life. But many of us walk far from it. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Ephesians 1, 17-21. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being, uh, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling, what or of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not not only in this age, but in that which is to come. We see in there again that there, not just do you have a call, but there is hope in that calling. You are called, it is worthy as I've said, but there is hope filling that call. We see in this scripture there is riches of his inheritance. That means there are riches in Christ that cannot be earned, they cannot be bought, they cannot be stolen, but rather walked out in the hope of your calling. And it tells us that our power comes from Christ that anything that the world may have tried to name you, any power that's trying to overtake you, any principality, every, any might, any dominion, in this age or the age to come, hold no power in the face of Jesus Christ, who's seated at the right hand in heavenly places, working on your behalf, enabling you, blessing you, and bringing provision into your life so you can walk in the rich and abundant life that Jesus has for you. I'm going to share a testimony. I'll call the the worship team up. Oh, Jen's not here, so I'll give her a second. Oh, there she is. Um, and I'm going to finish with a story. Like I said, that this sermon, this message, has been working out in my life over the last couple of months. And it was uh, in October that Josiah and I got to go away to a pastor's conference, and it was like it was amazing, and the daytimes was like super practical, all about. Um, church, how to run church, but then the nights were all Holy Spirit led and were times of worship what does Holy Spirit want to do and um, you know, it's three nights of this and I just know from night one you know when God, you're like, God, you're doing something, but I have no idea what it is well, that's how it started on night one and I just knew God's trying to get something to me, and I'm like, what is it I'm here, I'm your servant, I'm listening tell me And these nights unfold, and um, really, by the end of it, God took me through a process of naming, claiming, and talking about how he's going to bless me. And for any of you that know my story, if you don't, I'll share a little bit of it. But 2019 and 2020 were the worst two years of my life. The No, I shouldn't say the worst. The most challenging two years of my life. Everything that could be sh- stripped away was stripped away in my life. Relationships that mattered to me were broken. And it was a season where I, there was a lot of um, attacks on who I was. And, you know, I spent a lot of time, like five, six, seven days a week with these people that ultimately said to me You've been hurting me all these years and I had no idea I was doing it At the end of the day, that's what it boiled down to and so a lot of things happened Obviously, I walked through this journey of letting God heal me and speak to me and I thought I was all good and then I got to this conference and Realized there were parts of me that were still hidden away because of that experience and what had happened in that time. And I'm going to share a little bit of what God said to me in hopes that it would encourage you. If you're in a place of feeling broken, unsure of your value, I only share this, that if God says it to me, he means it for you too. But he said, you don't have to be afraid of hurting people anymore. You are healed and whole. And now it's time to come out of hiding and emerge in the fullness of your call. You don't need to fear what others said to you and said about you is true because you are healed and whole. It's time to emerge and step into your proper place with confidence and with boldness. What happened is not going to happen again. Protecting yourself is a false sense of control over something that has no need for control. How others see you, saw you, spoke of you is not how I see you. You are gifted, called, valued, loved, perfectly able and enabled. Let my voice speak louder than the other voices. Let my words penetrate deep into your heart. Pursue me, pursue my heart, pursue my word. Step into the river. It's time to come out of hiding. This was the start of today's message. And I believe there are people in this room that are, in, that are hiding. In ways that you don't even know. Just like I didn't even know. I thought I was all good. But they're holding you back. And God wants to set you free from that today. Thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church Podcast. We hope this message encouraged you, built your faith, and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We would love to see you on a Sunday soon, in person or online. You can get all the information at thrivecalgary.ca. If you would like to support a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can do so by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. No God is for you. We love you and have a great week.